Imagine yourself cross-country skiing under the moonlight through the backcountry of the Sierra Nevada mountains. The air is crisp and clear. There's a blanket of white beneath you, and the only sound you hear is that of your breathing and your skis as they slide through the snow. You are well insulated and carry a hot coffee and a thermos in your backpack. You probably have a friend with you and certainly a cell phone in your pocket in case of an emergency. Now roll back the time to about 130 years ago. You are alone, wearing handmade clothes, skiing cross-country through the rugged high Sierras in a storm with a pack of mail strapped to your back, and you're the only communication linking the East Coast to the West. There are no trains, and there are no telegraph wires here, and certainly no cell phone service. You are now looking through the eyes of Snowshoe Thompson, one of the most intriguing heroes in California's history. From 1856 to 1876, he made legendary 90-mile treks over snowdrifts up to 50 feet high and through blizzards with up to 80-mile-per-hour winds to deliver mail to those living in isolation. He was the sole link between California and the Atlantic states during those long winter months. Welcome to another episode of 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. This episode, titled Snowshoe Thompson, Legend of the High Sierras, is from our Legends series and tells the incredible story of a Norwegian immigrant that became a Western legend. You can catch all our episodes at iTunes and all podcatcher sites like Stitcher and Podbay.fm or visit our website at www.1001storiespodcast.com. 1001 Heroes is listened to and enjoyed in over 120 countries. We are proudly G-rated, and our stories, according to our fans, are fast-paced, compelling, and fun, without the distraction of heavy audio production. Most of the time, unless I really like the sound effects, it's just you, the listener, and me. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and this is our story. The Sierra Nevada is a rugged and scenic mountain range in the western United States between the Central Valley of California and the Basin and Range Province. The vast majority of the range lies in the state of California, although the Carson Range Spur lies primarily in Nevada. The Sierra runs 400 miles north to south and is approximately 70 miles across east to west. Notable Sierra features include Lake Tahoe, the largest alpine lake in North America, Mount Whitney at 14,505 feet, the highest point in the contiguous United States, and Yosemite Valley, sculpted by glaciers out of 100-million-year-old granite. The Sierra is home to three national parks, 20 wilderness areas, and two national monuments. These areas include Yosemite, Sequoia, and Kings Canyon National Parks, and Devil's Postpile National Monument. The Sierra Nevadas are home to many stories and legends from old Shoshone tales of creation to Bigfoot, which the Indians called Hairy Man, the mysterious gold miner killings at Murderer's Bar, the Donner Party disaster, where a wagon train group got caught in the pass in the snow and had to resort to cannibalism to survive, and Convict Lake, where, in 1871, a group of convicts recently escaped from prison in Carson City, tangled with a posse led by Deputy Sheriff George Hightower. Posse member Robert Morrison, a Benton merchant and Wells Fargo agent, was killed in the encounter, and Mount Morrison was named after him. The California Gold Rush began at Sutter's Mill near Coloma in the western foothills of the Sierra. On January 24, 1848, 
James W. Marshall, a foreman working for Sacramento pioneer John Sutter, found shiny metal in the tail race of a lumber mill Marshall was building for Sutter on the American River. Rumors soon started to spread and were confirmed in March 1848 by San Francisco newspaper publisher and merchant Samuel Brannan. Brannan strode through the streets of San Francisco, holding aloft a vial of gold, shouting gold, gold, gold from the American River. On August 19, 1848, the New York Herald was the first major newspaper on the East Coast to report the discovery of gold. On December 5, 1848, President James Polk confirmed the discovery of gold in an address to Congress. Soon, waves of immigrants from around the world, later called the 49ers, invaded the gold country of California, or Motherlode. Miners lived in tents, wood shanties, or deck cabins removed from abandoned ships. Wherever gold was discovered, hundreds of miners would collaborate to put up a camp and stake their claims. Because the gold in the California gravel beds was so richly concentrated, the early 49ers simply panned for gold in California's rivers and streams. However, panning cannot take place on a large scale, and miners and groups of miners graduated to more complex placer mining. Groups of prospectors would divert the water from an entire river into a sluice alongside the river, then dig for gold in the newly exposed river bottom. In the 1850s, the increasing demand for communication between California and the eastern United States resulted in the establishment of an overland mail route between San Francisco and Salt Lake City. The nation's first transcontinental railroad was still 18 years away. The lucrative but dangerous mail contract was worth $14,000 a year when George Chorpening and Absalom Woodward took on the job in 1851. It took the men 16 days to pack the mail by mule 910 miles across to the Great Salt Lake. They left Sacramento on May 1, but in order to cross the Sierra, wooden malls were needed to beat down the snow to create a trail for the heavily laden pack animals. It was exhausting work and became deadly when Indians killed Woodward in November of that year. During December of 1851 and January of 1852, Chorpening tried to maintain the delivery, but brutal blizzards and deep snow in the Sierra turned him back. By February, the mail was rerouted up the Feather River Canyon and over Beckworth Pass, but the detour increased the heroin journey to 60 days, which proved too much for the men and the animals. The following winter, the mail was shipped by steamer to Los Angeles, then packed eastward over the old Spanish Trail through Arizona. The communities in western Utah Territory, present-day Nevada, were now effectively cut off from any communication and supplies during the snowbound winter months. Newspapers published accounts of the dangerous difficulties and failed attempts to carry the mail over the mountains during the winter, but it seemed there was nothing anyone could do. In 1855, a young man named Thompson saw an ad published in the Sacramento Union. The ad read, People lost to the world. Uncle Sam needs a carrier. The Placerville postmaster needed someone to carry the Overland Mail 90 miles east, up and over the Sierra Range to the Carson Valley in the dead of winter. There weren't any takers until Thompson, whose father had made him snowshoes to ski to school as a child in Norway, decided to answer the call to duty. At the age of 10, John Torstenson, Rue, later changed to John A. Thompson, had come to America with his family from Norway, settling on a farm in Illinois. The family moved on to Missouri, then Iowa, and eventually John went to stay with his brother in Wisconsin, 
Then gold fever struck. In 1851, at the age of 24, Thompson drove a herd of milk cows to California and settled in Placerville. For a short while, he mined in Kelsey Diggings, Coon Hollow, and Georgetown. With the small amount he saved, he bought a small ranch at Putah Creek in the Sacramento Valley. Thompson remembered that as a young boy in Norway, he and his friends had used snowshoes to travel quickly over the snow-covered landscape, and his Viking spirit was aroused to the challenge. Thompson carved himself a nice pair of oak skis. They were nearly 10 feet long and weighed 25 pounds. It takes a strong person to control skis of such magnitude, but Thompson was the man for the job. He stood six feet tall and weighed a solid 180 pounds. With his blonde hair and beard, fair skin, and piercing blue eyes, he looked every bit the fierce Norseman of his ancestry. A crowd formed in Placerville for his first mill run in January of 1856. Few had faith that he would make it over the 7,500-foot passes on his homemade 10-foot-long, 25-pound oak skis. But one optimistic voice in the crowd called out, Good luck, snowshoe! And he set out to become a legendary postman and father of California skiing. Two to four times a month for 20 winters, regardless of weather, Snowshoe Thompson set out at the appointed hour. His mail run took three days from Placerville to Mormon Station, Utah, Nevada's first town, later called Genoa when Nevada became a state, and two days on the return trip. The people of the Pioneer Settlement knew when to expect his arrival. Baking was left in the oven and abandoned meals grew cold. Everyone ran outdoors, looking up to the top of Genoa Peak to watch as the tall, blonde Norseman descended, streaks of snow flying in his wake. Thompson always wore a Mackinac jacket, a wide-rimmed hat, and covered his face in charcoal to prevent snow blindness. He carried no blankets, but he did carry matches to start fires, and his Bible. He snacked on dried sausage, jerked beef, crackers, and biscuits. When a storm kept him from proceeding, he would find a flat rock, clear it of snow, and dance old Norwegian folk dances until it passed. Then he would continue on his way. He rested but briefly, and usually only long enough for a crust to form back over the fresh snow for easier passage. Dan DeQuill of the Virginia City Territorial Enterprise paper later wrote of Thompson, He flew down the mountainside. He didn't ride astride his pole or drag it to one side, as was the practice of other snowshoers, but held it horizontally before him after the manner of a tightrope walker. His appearance was graceful, swaying his balance pole to one side and the other in the manner that a soaring eagle dips its wings. Grizzly bears, mountain lions, and wolves roamed his path, but he carried no gun, not wanting to limit the weight of mail and much-needed supplies. On one trip, he came upon a pack of wolves feeding on a deer carcass. When they noticed him, they sat on their haunches and howled. Snowshoe kept his pace, expecting them to attack at any moment, and flew right by them. When he looked back, they had returned to their meal. Much as his Viking ancestors had traveled upon unmarked waters, Snowshoe Thompson crossed the Sierra Mountains, whose landmarks were buried in the snow. He didn't use a compass, once stating in an interview, There's no danger of getting lost in a narrow range of mountains like the Sierra if a man has his wits about him. He could tell his direction by day from the appearance of trees and rocks, the flow of the streams, animal tracks, and snowdrifts. By night, the formation of stars guided him. Snowshoe Thompson often rescued prospectors caught in the snow and would carry them out on the back of his skis as they held their arms around him. In 1859, Thompson formed a partnership with Judge Childs of Genoa to operate a sleigh line for passengers and express packages across the Sierra. The business utilized horses wearing custom snowshoes to pull the loaded sleds, 
but when severe winter storms made the trip too dangerous, Snowshoe would go alone, carrying the mail and supplies. Thompson's skiing ability was legendary. He rocketed down mountain slopes at nearly 60 miles an hour and was credited with making jumps exceeding well over 100 feet. The exploits of Snowshoe Thompson are one of Tahoe's greatest legends, but it is not mythology. Thompson rescued many people from certain death during his 20 years as a mail carrier. One notable effort occurred in late December of 1856 when Snowshoe discovered prospector James Sisson snowbound in the valley south of Lake Tahoe. For 12 days, Sisson had been lying in a remote cabin without fire, both legs frozen, and nothing to eat but raw flour. Snowshoe chopped wood, built a fire, and assisted the miner as best he could before skiing off to get help in Genoa. He returned with six men who joined Thompson in hauling Sisson out by sled. The physician attending to Sisson's injuries in Genoa reported that he needed an anesthetic to perform an amputation in order to save the man's life. When Snowshoe heard that the vital chloroform could only be obtained in Sacramento, he grabbed his skis and started back up the mountain trail. He crossed the Sierra twice in this heroic journey and returned with the anesthetic in time for the doctor to operate and save James Sisson's life. For a short time during the building of the Transcontinental Railroad over the Sierra, Snowshoe carried the mail from Cisco to Meadow Lake. Resident Clarence Worcester wrote that Thompson would sail down his four-mile course at great speed, cross the ice-frozen river, throw our mail toward the house, and glide out of sight up over a hill by the momentum gathered in the three-mile descent. His mail sack often weighed up to 100 pounds, carrying medicine, emergency supplies, clothing, books, tools, pots and pans. Once he brought in a pack of needles and a glass chimney for a kerosene lamp so a widow, Mrs. Franklin, could continue her winter sewing. For the local fiddler, Richard Cosser, he brought new strings. And for the news-starved miners, he carried the type and newsprint for Nevada's first newspaper, the Territorial Enterprise, piece by piece. The first issue went to press December 18, 1858. In 1859, Thompson was asked to take a strange blue rock, which seemed to be devaluing the Washoe miners' gold dust, to Sacramento to have it assayed. It was rich in silver. The Comstock load had now been discovered, signaling an end to the California gold rush and the glorious 49er area. A new stampede began, this time from west to east, and Thompson was asked to expand his mail route to Virginia City year-round. As legends of Snowshoe Thompson's feet spread through the isolated regions of the Sierra, others began making skis and racing down the hills. There are a variety of stories of how and when Thompson met his wife, the English woman Agnes Singleton, who had come to America with her stepmother. Some people say he was her ski instructor, and that did the trick. They were married in 1866. They settled on the property Thompson had homesteaded a few years earlier in Diamond Valley, just east and at the foot of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, five miles to the west of Carson Valley. Deeply involved in the land and its uses, Thompson raised grains, wheat, oats, hay, and potatoes. As he explained in letters to his family, the only fruits he could grow were gooseberries and currants due to the late spring and early fall frosts in that area. He constructed irrigation ditches from the west fork of the Carson River to his ranch that are still in service today. In the winter, he cared for 90 head of cattle and 20 horses, half his own, and the rest were boarded for others who lived higher up in the mountains. The Thompson's only child, Arthur Thomas, was born February 11, 1867. 
His father could hardly wait to take him snowshoeing, which we now call skiing, and made him a tiny pair of skis for his first birthday. From 1868 to 1872, Thompson served on the Board of Supervisors of Alpine County and was a delegate to the Republican State Convention in Sacramento in 1871. In spite of a resolution sent to Washington, D.C. by the Nevada legislature, the many political contacts he had gathered, and a trip to Washington, D.C. in 1872, Snowshoe Thompson was never paid for his services delivering the United States mail. Over the years, Snowshoe tried to charge a dollar per letter carried, but some people wouldn't pay and demanded their mail anyway. For years, he was promised proper compensation by local authorities, but nothing ever came of it. Thompson was a good Samaritan and somewhat naive in the ways of government. Initially, he was happy to do the job, but when he got married and his son was born, he needed money to raise his family. Trusting in the goodwill of people and his new country, Thompson did not sign a contract with the U.S. Postal Service. But he wasn't worried and said, If I do my job and get the mail to the people, Uncle Sam will pay me. Unfortunately, despite his political contacts and an 1869 appeal by the Nevada legislature to the federal government for $8,000 in compensation, Thompson was never paid. Not willing to give up, in 1872, Thompson did travel to Washington, D.C. to lobby for what he felt was his deserved compensation. On the way, the train got stuck in snowdrifts. Getting impatient, he started off walking through the snow carrying his suitcase. After three days, he reached Cheyenne, Wyoming, where he got another train, which took him to the nation's capital. He was the first man in two weeks to come directly from the Pacific coast, and newspapers back east hailed him as the first person to beat the iron horse over such a long distance. Thompson waited for six weeks in Washington for the Congressional Committee to decide on his request, but he ran out of money and had to return home before they did. He blamed no one but himself for not getting paid, realizing he never had an official mail contract with the U.S. Postal Service. The political snub resurrected itself again in the 1990s when the Smithsonian Institute failed to include Snowshoe Thompson in its exhibit chronicling the history of the Postal Service, once again because he hadn't signed that contract. Snowshoe Thompson died on May 15, 1876, at age 49 from appendicitis and is buried in the historic Genoa Cemetery. Three months before his death, the Territorial Enterprise interviewed the popular Norwegian. He was asked whether he had ever lost his way in the mountains. No, Snowshoe quietly replied, I was never lost. There is no danger of getting lost in a narrow range of mountains like the Sierra if a man has its wits about him. Monuments and statues to the memory and heroic efforts of Snowshoe Thompson abound and can be found at Boreal Ski Resort on Donner Pass at Genoa, Nevada in the Squaw Valley Village and on Highway 88 along one of his mail routes. His feats of skill and daring may be legendary, but John Snowshoe Thompson's heart was truly bigger than life. Genoa Postmaster S.A. Kinsey wrote, The most remarkable man I ever knew, that Snowshoe Thompson. He must be made of iron. Besides, he never thinks of himself, but he'd give his last breath for anyone else, even a total stranger. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. You can catch all our episodes at iTunes and all the other podcatcher sites. Or stop by our website at 1001storiespodcast.com where we store all the episodes and archives. This is Please Share Our Show Week. So if you have a friend, let them know about our show and where they can find it. We sure do appreciate it, and that's how we grow. We also appreciate your contributions, which we accept at our website through Patreon.com, or just go to Patreon.com forward slash 1001Heroes. Until next time, this is your host and storyteller, 
John Hagedorn, and this is our story.